Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinvin, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Spud Webster and Jordan, I wish I was a little bit taller, Reed. What's new in the world, fellas? What's going on, boys? Great to be back. Uh, fantastic week this week. Thanks to everybody that gave us a listen and uh, follow. Exciting times. The NBA is back, boys. We got the Raptors ready to uh, defend their 2019 title and uh, take it 2020 as well. Take the old bubble title. <laughs> Glad to be here, everybody. One week felt like a long time for this week. I don't know why, but happy to be here. Can't wait to get this one going. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Now that it's out there, we've been kind of telling a couple buddies here and there, but now that the pod's out there, it's we're in a bit of a rhythm, and now there's a little bit of pressure to get these out every week, so it's a lot of fun. I'm glad we're doing it. You know, we're doing a basketball movie today. Basketball's back and finished. Anyway, it's it's funny, though. Did you guys notice that they have, they have like, a Teams or a Zoom thing where they have fans that can... Buy spots. So yes. You can actually see them on the side. That was kind of an interesting thing. Bosher, Bosher had some uh, courtside seats there last night, apparently. <laughs> I think it looks yeah. pretty cool the way you see it. And you, you're you watching the game and you're like, what's happening over there? I see movement or something. And At least like, you see some movement. It'd be cool if they could like chirp. Like, maybe you pay a little extra and you could start chirping guys and your voice comes over the loudspeaker or something. That'd, that'd be, be interesting. Neat. Oh, imagine the old retired guys who would get in on that. Oh, that'd, that'd be, awesome. be awesome. How good was Brandon Ingram last night, though? Oh. He's so silky, and, uh, and I hate making comparisons like to contemporary players, but he's kind of like a mini Durant to me. He's, he's smooth. He's, like, he's coming. He's definitely coming into his own. He was great. He, like, and he, he still has that Ichabod Crane body where he's super skinny. <laughs> <laughs> but my God, he's athletic. Like, he's so smooth and, and long and silky. Like he just goes to the rack. Like takes like two strides to get through the paint. You know, Ichabod Crane. <laughs> Say that five times. <laughs> All right, so today we're going to be uh, riding controversial college sports corruption wave right into the late 90s hardcore classic, He Got Game. We out the projects, baby. Where we going to live at, son? Central Park West somewhere? What you going to buy your mama, son? How more? A big house. It's the will of the man. It ain't the skill of the man. Don't be afraid of nobody. Take it. Take Go it. strong, baby. Like nobody's yes. better than you. You have a son named Jesus Shuttlesworth? Is your son considered the number one high school prospect in these United States? He's awesome, baby, with a capital A. Governor's made a request that your son seriously consider enrolling in his alma mater, big state. The governor's given me his word. He'll do everything in his power to cut your time here short. The NC2A deadline is one week away. Two parole officers will be assigned to you. Yeah, I guess I better get working there, huh? Hello, son. What did I tell you about letting strangers in the house? He's not a stranger. He's our father. I don't have a father. Look, I need to talk to you. You'll see me around. The man escaped just like Shawshank. Why beat around the bush? We love you. It's $10,000. I don't need that money, Coach. You can look like Buddy Hackett and drive down the street with this and have 40 girls chasing you. Oh, Oh. Jesus. I want you to go to Big State, son. You find it in your heart to go to Big State, they may let me out on an early parole. I got that uh, arthritis thing. My brother's got the same arthritic condition. It's going around here in Coney Island. Yeah, 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 it's contagious. But why in the hell did you name me Jesus anyway? What type of name is that? Jesus, Jesus! Biblical name. No kidding. I pray that you understand why I pushed you. I was the one who put the ball in your crib. I ain't no baby no more. Dear Lord. Deliver Jesus to us. People make mistakes. People veer off the path. So what? God forgives them. When will you? Never. I bet he can finally beat you. One-on-one. And this will be the most important decision in your life. All right. 
Before we pop the top on this spike lead joint, we're going to pop the tops on a couple of ice cold beverages. Beer, yeah, beer, yeah. Oh, they fight for me, okay? Beer. Ice cold beer! Ice cold beer, yeah! What's on tap today, Webb? All right, boys, for this week, we are taking it back uh, to Brooklyn. We're paying homage to Spike Lee and this great, uh, this great movie, so we better drink a beer from Brooklyn. So we are drinking Brooklyn Lager. Uh, the Brooklyn Lager unites flavors of toffee, toast, and caramel with a dry hopped aroma full of grapefruit, flowers, and pine. Whether it's in your favorite pint glass, a trusty bottle, or versatile can, Brooklyn Lager is a beer for the job. If you're looking for the dry hopped amber lager that changed the world, look no further. Give them a follow at Brooklyn Brewery on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and cheers, boys. Cheers. Tasty. I like it. That's not bad at all. Not bad at all. It's got some flavor. It's got some body to it. I like it. That's a great summertime beer. You like that, eh? I like that a lot. I like the can. I like the artwork. I think it's real. It's stylish. It's, it looks like a sports beer. You know what I mean? Like it looks like a good beer to have while you're at a sports. Very event. cool logo. They have a very cool story behind their their brewery and how it started. Uh, we'll post a link to their to their uh, website for you to check out. But give them a follow. You can get it here in Canada. Uh, it was one of those ones where we were able to get it uh, during this pandemic, so we thought we'd give it a try. Uh, it's an amber lager. It is fantastic. I am enjoying it myself. Ratings, fellas. I'm going to give this, I'm going to go 7-7 seven, seven on this beer. I really like it. I've never had it till right now. And on the first two sips, that is an excellent flavor. Yep. I'm going to go 7-6. I really like it. it. It's solid. It's got it's got a bit of a multi flavor, which is nice, but it's not, it's not overpowering. It's a good summer beer. It's easy to drink. It's a 5.2. I like it. Yeah, it kind of has it hint wise, taste wise. It kind of reminds me of uh, Innocent Gun has this like Scotch kind of beer, mm-hmm. and it's got a similar kind of flavor to it. Like you can taste the, the caramel and that that fl- kind of smooth flavor to it. Um, yeah. But it's definitely a lot lighter tasting than that beer. I'd say uh, yeah, as far as an amber lager goes, it's it's not my I'll say favorite, but it's got a little bit of hop to it too, which is kind of nice. So yeah, I'd say anywhere in the round the seven five seven six anywhere. You guys are kind of on point there. I'd give it a, a high seven for sure. Yeah. Uh, so today, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about He Got Game, written and directed by Spike Lee. So this movie was released in 1998 by Touchstone Pictures and Forty Acres and a Mule Filmworks. Had a budget of 25 million. And even though it debuted at number one at the box office, it eventually only grossed a total of just over $21 million. So in, in reality, they took a bit of a loss at the box office, but so it was considered a flop in that sense. Um, the film is starring Denzel Washington, Ray Allen, Mila Jovovich, and Rosario Dawson. Filming wrapped up in just 23 days between the July and September of 1997, and shooting locations were Coney Island, Brooklyn, Chicago, Charlotte, and Los Angeles. So the movie synopsis is uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth, played by Ray Allen, is the top high school basketball player in the U.S., is being pursued by every top college basketball program in the nation. He's also receiving pressure to forgo the NCAA and sign with an agent and declare for the NBA draft. His father, Jake Shuttlesworth, played by Denzel Washington, is a convicted felon serving time at the Attica Correctional Facility uh, for accidentally killing his wife, Martha, Jesus' mother, six years earlier. Jake is temporarily released by the governor, an influential alumnus of Big State, one of the colleges Jesus is considering, so that he might persuade his son to sign with the governor's college. 
If successful, he'll get an early release from prison. So what are our thoughts, boys? Initial thoughts on the movie. Initial thoughts on this movie? I put it in the realm like the program. I find it, again, entertaining. One of those movies that I'll put on or I'll see on or I'll watch it. I won't watch it all the time, but I will watch it periodically. Uh, Overall, I like it. The themes, um, like we've talked about before, Guys, some of those themes are pretty transferable. Uh, Jamie, we were talking earlier, we were talking about that idea of greed. Yeah. I mean, you have greed. I wrote down greed, jealousy, desperation, poverty, usual themes that you, people can come in from at different angles. And it is more than a basketball movie to me. Overall, decent. Yep. Not my favorite movie, but overall decent. Yep, so I, I agree with you there. I, th- I think it's actually more of a movie about greed... And corruption to me maybe than than more more of that than a basketball movie mm-hmm. so to speak uh but i do think it's a very important movie with a lot of relevant themes that are very relevant today i think you know 22 years later we're still looking at a lot of the th- same things i think from a a social standpoint there's still a lot of themes that prevalent today corruption the system inner cities fighting against that, mm-hmm. uh, trying trying to break free of that uh, stigmatism and things like that. I think that's very, very relevant to what we see today as well. So it's, I think it's important in that sense, Very, which is very typical of uh, Spike Lee movies. He does kind of bring a voice to that. Um, and I think it's got a very nice blend of really solid basketball scenes uh, with a depth of a, a very strong, I think it's got a strong story and, and it's got some big time acting in it. So, I, you know, I, overall, I think it's, uh, it's a good movie. We'll get into some other things to, to nit, maybe nitpick at later, but overall, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, this really isn't a basketball movie. It's a movie, like you said, <clears throat> Spike Lee is famous for uh, creating movies that have a social commentary on, I'll say, the African-American experience. Um, and so this is right up there with, with you know, Do the Right Thing um, and a, a bunch of his other films. So, you know, you get that sense. It's really... The movie itself is really about the relationship between a father and a son, right? And I think uh, all of us having played sports at one level or or another can kind of identify or relate to maybe having a dad who at times pushed us maybe a little bit hard or didn't push us hard enough. And here we've got the extreme parent who pushes his kid way, way too hard, um, but at the same time ends up, you know, getting the success that this kid is now having so you know there's lots that we can dive into here in terms of the themes itself like you said it's a heavy movie it's not uh it's not i don't find it one of those ones that i could just throw on i kind of have to be in the right mindset to watch it uh i I was joking around with jr last week about how when this came out i ended up you know i was huge into basketball back then in high school and wanted to watch it with buddies and mind you this was pre uh internet and pre uh pornhub days let's call it (laughs) And uh, I made a comment in front of a bunch of friends. So uh, shout out to uh, my buddies Dana Ha and Majoris, who will remember this one. But uh, how I said, you know, there really wasn't a whole lot of basketball in that. And they, they said, oh, of course, Webb would only be looking for the basketball. Oh, look at you. Oh, there's boobs everywhere. And all you're looking at is the basketball. So I got ridiculed pretty hard for that one. But it's definitely one of those ones where, uh, yeah, it's entertaining. Um, there's lots that we're going to dive into. So I'm not going to go too, too much d- into detail about that right now but yeah good and movie I, and i think the like the mid 90s was a time mid to late 90s was a time where you had movies with a lot more gratuitous like sex scenes oh yeah things like that like you think about showgirls you like you think of that type of stuff that that was where striptease wild things yeah yeah 
And at that time, the internet was starting to really roll. Yeah. We were starting to get past dial-up, or the little people were starting to get a little bit quicker. Our in- ability to access information was growing. Yeah. And Pretty it's right sure in that I got window. this whole soundtrack on Napster. Yeah. Napster. Yeah. Good point there. <laughs> yeah. And maybe even the movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's dive into our character review. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to start out with Jake Shuttlesworth, who I, th- I want to say that he's kind of more the main character in the movie. I know it's, it's Denzel, but... And, you know, he carries movies. But I do think he was more the main character rather than Jesus, even 100%. though the focal point Absolutely. might have been on Jesus and his experience. So let's start out with Jake. Uh, what, what are our thoughts about Jake as a character? And, and let's talk a little bit about Denzel playing that character as well. I like Jake Shuttlesworth as a character. I think I made a note. I said, what would this movie be without Denzel? He absolutely carried this movie yeah. to a T. As he does in most movies. He's Denzel Washington. I think as a character, he created Jake Shuttlesworth. And I started to dive into him a little bit in f- regards to the overbearing sports parent. Because his son, John David, played so much football and went on to play in the NFL, D1 NFL. Good he would have been surrounded by that stuff. Yeah. And he would have yeah. seen it. Not saying he was. But he probably had a good idea on how to mold this character and make it how he wanted it. By what he probably saw on the football field from, you know, from hikes up to peewee yeah. through to high school football um i i think the character that character is really important he definitely would have seen people around the if any anybody in organized sports competitive sports sees other parents like yeah we all saw it in sports that we mm-hmm. you'd walk into any team, hockey arena now every team's got some nut job parents and yeah we see it in, you know in our country you see it in usually the local hockey arena right now oh, we God, see yeah. that type of stuff i think in the football field like i said he helped to I think in his vision, you don't he helped have to, to create go into this. the rank. You just see it in the parking lot. That sure. is true. <laughs> and I put in a note how Denzel and Jake fits this role. He's an alpha. Oh yeah. Denzel's an alpha. Absolutely. And then later on, I'll talk about that a little bit more. But he really creates that alpha character where he's the he's the big he's the big guy here. And Jake Shuttlesworth is the alpha when he walks on that court, when he talks, there's look, even this, the knee wraps. This, this is Denzel pre-Lonzo, but he's, but he's Lonzo. And I made another note out of that. You said that. I wonder if, you know, Herman Boone, Coach Boone's character, Lonzo, Man on Fire, uh, his American Gangster character, I wondered if Jake Shuttlesworth helped to mold those characters. I would yeah. think so. He's got that swagger. He's got the Jordans. 13s. He's got it. He's, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So overall, as a character, huge fan. Yeah, and I know Spike wrote this with Denzel in mind, uh, having watched a bunch of interviews. I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody but Denzel playing this. I just don't think there's anyone who could carry it the way he does. I mean, there's there's guys out there who are great, don't get me wrong, but I you know maybe like a Lawrence Fishburne, but they wouldn't have the same kind of... I think intensity that Denzel brings to it. Like you believe that Denzel is about ready to snap at any moment, right? He's about to be that crazy dad. He, he can be uh, endearing at times and you, and you want to kind of fall back in love with him, but there's still, uh, there's just that like dark side of him that he could snap at any moment. You that can't I think see Danny, Danny Glover doing this one. No, no I don't think he quite. <laughs> don't quite Operation Dumbo drops not making that one. <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> just go to big state already. I think that look Denzel can say so much too with just his eyes and his his facial expressions. I mean, handsome he's just he's a, he's handsome. handsome. Oh, 
he's just a top-notch actor. And yeah, right I'm skipping away. him for Man Rocket. That's just a guarantee. Yeah. No, I, I think I think Denzel nailed it. I don't think I need to touch on much. I think you guys actually said that. The only thing I'll, is I'll say is I, I didn't really like Jake himself, like the person. You know what I mean? Uh, I just feel like, well, one, he's abusive. I thought he was too over the top. I thought he was really good up to a point. I thought he pushed Jesus in some of those scenes. Like even mm-hmm. the, the the famous scene right before he goes into the uh, back to the apartment and dinner and the fateful night where, you know, he accidentally kills his mother, Jesus' mother. Uh, but but Jake, like, he was fine there. And even, I, I don't know who was on out on the court. was That wasn't uh, Uncle Bubba. That was somebody else, right? Or was that supposed to? No, it wasn't Uncle Bubba. It was... I don't know. If oh, was, yeah. When he... When Maybe a buddy. The guy that's got the 40 in the bag there. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Just a buddy, I think. A buddy or whatever. Anyway, like, he, everything was fine up until a point. Like, he was like, come on, who, you know, how are you working? You know what I mean? Like, he was pushing him, but he was being constructive. Yeah. But then he got to a point where he crossed the line. Yeah. And then he was just too much. And now now you're taking the joy out that of the That could game. have been the booze. It could have been, yeah, a lot of different things. And I, and also, I think this shows through in a lot of Spike Lee's, which is very accurate if you think about it. How stressful is it to live in that situation where yeah. you're worried about paychecks and getting food on the table and it's true. all of that type of stuff? You've got way more pressure than anyone else in this world. What does pressure do to you? It, you know, it feeds into mental health issues and depression and different things. And, and anger comes out of that, which is why there's yep. a lot of anger undertones. It makes sense. But... The thing that bugged me about Jake was he was extremely selfish. Like, he used Mary, the sister, to get into the apartment so he could talk to Jake. Like, he usually was giving her Skittles and stuff. And then when he basically just shoves her off when, when Jesus is there, he, he uses a lot of different people. To me, he never really showed remorse for mm-hmm. when he was with Mary and when he was with Jesus about what happened. Even though it was a un- really unfortunate accident, but he never really showed true remorse for me. And I and I just felt he was extremely selfish throughout the movie in different points. So Jake as a person, not a lot of redeemable things for me. I did like what he did with uh, Dakota, the, the the prostitute there. I think that was in his way. I think he was he had a lot of pride and he didn't want to like show that to his kids maybe. But maybe the thing he did with Dakota helping her out, I think that was maybe his way of trying to make amends, and that's why that was shown. Perhaps it was a way for him to kind of. I don't know. I think it was a way for us as the audience to maybe see that the guy does have some endearing qualities, right? Yeah. Like, even when he's hugging the tombstone there. Like, my wife had a very similar take to you, right, when we were rewatching the movie, that he doesn't do enough for you to really kind of relate back to him and feel sorry for him and, and kind of go to his defense. But I said, you know, he does have those moments with Dakota that he's very... Um, uh, he opens himself up and he, he's a little bit more vulnerable. And so maybe you don't root for him as a father per se, but as a person, you see that he is trying. Yeah, uh, he's trying to get a little I'll bit I'll give better. you that for sure. Well, you never feel sorry for his actions whatsoever. Nope. His actions nope. are deplorable. Yeah. yeah. But you kind of go back to his upbringing, maybe. He would know no better either. No. That's where maybe in his own weird way, he's trying to do better by his son. Right. But how he's doing it is not correct at all. At 100% wrong. Yeah. But his socialization growing up would not probably promote, you know, positive behavior, or positive talk, so to speak, or anything along those lines. He's a master manipulator. Here's a question for you guys. How many of those grilled cheese sandwiches do you think he ate on a daily basis? <laughs> I was going to bring that up. I was going to bring I want like 
Do you think he steamed the what's bread? The o- what's the over-under on... I, I hope so. Did what's you, the over-under on grilled cheese sandwiches with that iron? Did you one when you saw that? I, I kind of wanted one at that point. <laughs> I'd dip it in ketchup. Oh, I would crush it in ketchup. I wonder I'd if they're figuring out a way to go to Nathan's and get a hammer a Coney Island dog all day long. Oh. Or I wondered yeah. if they sold it downstairs at Kennedy Fried Chicken. <laughs> Jake's a complicated character. And I think he represents a lot of um, things about the culture, uh, about growing up in Brooklyn and Coney Island during those times. And, and even now, I mean, I think it, mm. not a lot has changed. Denzel played it perfectly. I think he did it right. And, and the character really makes you think a lot because you, you really want to root for him. And there are parts where you, soup, you really absolutely do. So, no, it was interesting. Uh, let's move on to Jesus, played by Ray Allen, Jesus Shuttlesworth. He's a, he's a scared kid. He had no choice but to be a scared kid. He's talented. Fantastic. Um, I like him a lot. I feel kind of sorry for him the whole time. The pressure he's under. We've all seen that in our own weird way in different athletics. Maybe not to that level. But I started thinking like Patrick O'Sullivan. Absolutely. Yeah. The hockey player. That that relationship and yeah. how you know he and just how talented he was. The level of talent and how free this guy just wanted to be, but. He just couldn't get away from his father, even when his father was in jail. You know, he still would have thought of that. Or he's surrounded all the time by greed. Yeah. He, he has no choice. And the world that he's growing up in, he's example to me of one of those people where you're like, get out of your hometown right now and never come back. You yeah, know. it was was it Bobby Ryan? Bobby Ryan had the weird Ooh, story yeah. too, right? Yeah, like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we. I mean, we can draw parallels to hockey a little bit more probably. But um, yeah, they're, they're definitely kind of uh, relatable pieces there for me as well um i mean in terms of the character there's uh, there's not a whole lot of depth there to be quite honest with you like the whole thing is really more about um his basketball skills than anything else that being said he's resourceful that kid um and he figures out a way to kind of try and and raise both himself and his Mm -hmm. sister as best he can right um so you know there's some endearing qualities about him there I think in this character, Spike Lee did a really good job, like you said, Webb, on focusing on basketball, keeping the lines simple for Ray Allen. They no great long monologues or anything right. like that. And but Ray Allen did a great job for, too for someone who yeah. never acted before. He did yep. fine. And I think credit Spike Lee, credit Denzel a little bit for really helping him out and kind of fronting Ray Allen's basketball ability. I think I think Ray Allen did a fine job. I know we'll talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about who. Could have played the role later yeah. later on, but um, I tried to watch. The, I tried to watch Ray's performance under a microscope because I really wanted to say, you know, like how did he do as an actor? And I think you nailed it, Jar. They didn't give him too many lines. They like, hit him pretty well. You know, like I, I think they did a good. Yeah, exactly. They they focused a lot on the basketball skill, and when he had lines, it was kind of a shorter piece that wasn't going to be carrying the scene, so to speak. Um, and I think he, I think he did it pretty naturally. Like having seen him in interviews and things like that, I thought I thought Ray Allen kind of was a lot li- like himself in the role. He wasn't overacting, he wasn't overplaying them. So I thought he did fairly well, and, and they didn't crush him with lines. But yeah, and those short bursts of lines too are probably things he said or has heard on a basketball court. Yeah, I right. would think more. I feel like Ray Allen is a little bit more polished. UConn um, than that. Than that. I mean, yeah, True, he did. Yeah. He went to UConn like. He doesn't strike yeah, me as the guy that would would have grown up in that environment, and I don't know his his history that well, to be quite honest with you. So I, I mean, somebody will probably write me and say, "Yeah, he didn't look it up or whatever." But 
okay, stat nerd, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but but I'm saying, no, you know, right. like he, there are definitely more guys in the NBA, and we'll talk a little bit more about this. But like, mm-hmm. who I think would have been more uh, natural, maybe in those oh, okay, roles, yeah. uh, and and saying some of those lines, or at least appeared. So he he's. Ray Allen to me is always, even in interviews, has always appeared very professional and very professional and reserved. Yeah, and 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 so at times I found it was kind of hard to believe that this was a kid. I mean, he's not—he's got a pretty decent apartment. He's not living in the projects per se. Yeah, um, but he—he's—he's still living in you know lower social economic status than most people. Um, So I I just—I don't know. There were points I just—I couldn't find him believable. Yeah, let's move on to Lala. Played by Rosario Dawson. I had her tabbed as someone who's scared and really wants out of the situation she's Looking in. For the meal ticket. She's a, she's very manipulative, but she's also scared and she's worried. And she quotes herself and says, "You know, I've seen these movies before, so to speak." You know, if you look at history, she's probably not wrong. And she knows what she needs to do, and she's living a tough life by the looks and sounds of it. And she's trying to help herself. Do I condone what she's doing again? No. But is it that idea of greed? Greed can make good people do crazy things. Yep. That's happened. That's since the beginning she's of time. She's a product, product of her situation. 100%. And, absolutely. And it's about survival. Yeah, I, I can't falter for the decisions that she made. She's also young, making yeah. making decisions, right? Like, Yeah, we're talking about, like, well, an 18-year-old kid yeah. here at best. Well, and what's, and like, let's, let's be honest, like, is Jesus Shuttlesworth going to go to Big State, which I'm assuming is a ways away? I don't know where Big State is, but I'm he's not living in Coney Island while he goes to Big State. Mm-hmm. Is he going to go to Big State and just keep this girlfriend? Maybe, but probably not. He's probably going to go there. He's going to meet a lot of different people. Most people, when they go away to university and they try to do the long distance thing, it's just not going to work. You know yeah. what I mean? By it's the, too, it's too hard to doesn't. pull. By the tech you visit, he's probably not. She's got irons and a few fires, or so to speak. Like she's trying to do the best she can to get out of her situation, just like anyone else. Like exactly. he's he's trying to get out of his situation through basketball. Mm-hmm. Everybody in in those situations have to try to find something to take them out of that. They have different vehicles that right. that they're trying to use. Yep, I can't hold it against her. And I, I think Rosario Dawson did a great job. She's this is one of her earlier roles, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Was, was. was Clerks after this or before? I can't remember. I believe after. He was in Clerks 2, right? Mm-hmm. 300, yeah. she was in a couple other movies yeah. way, well after. But yeah, yeah. no. I, think I mean, she she's beautiful. Time. Oh, God, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, let's move on to uh, a booger. Who's <laughs> <laughs> played by uh, Hill Harper, who is. Um, so, Coleman Booger Sykes is his actual name, but he was uh, Jesus' cousin, uh, also teammate at Abraham Lincoln High School pure comic relief i mean he's he's the character you need to have in all these yeah. movies right yeah, especially in a heavier movie like this one i mean hill harper is just your classic background character and just about everything he's done i don't think i've ever seen him as the main guy in anything you guys may have i don't remember have i you, feel like he was in house and a bunch of other those doctor shows i'm yeah. sorry he's in another doctor show now the good doctor have you seen that one i haven't With, seen uh, that one it's it's really good check it out uh he plays a surgeon and like a head of surgery basically but it's funny seeing him and like being so professional and highly educated and very thoughtful and then looking at him in this role and being like whoa like because jazz watched it with me and we watched the good doctor and i'm like hey do you notice who that was and she's like who and then i had to like play the scene back she's like oh my god is that i will say his wardrobe's pretty on point in this movie though oh I think yeah he's rocking a pair of air maxes and i'd have to go back and i love really the three-quarter baggy jean oh yeah <laughs> 
he's an important character. Um, I'm not a huge fan. I didn't have a lot of time for him, to be honest. He's just, he's like you said, Rob, he's a little comic relief and a little bit of lightness into a heavy plot. In regards to Hale Harper as an actor, he does have a great voice for like a surgeon, though. He does. You know what else he was in? The Skulls. Yes, he was. Great oh, movie. Yeah, Paul Walker. Movie. Yeah, Paul Walker. Yeah, that Charlie was great Conway's movie. in that movie. Charlie Conway. Charlie Conway. Yeah. Uh, Shooter McGavern. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He was the he was the dad. It he, was uh, Paul Walker's dad. Yeah, it was. Not, yeah, it was actually um, great in that movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go against the boys on this one a little bit. I think he's a lot more important than you think. Why? I I because because he plays PlayStation with his cousin who, there. Who can rate Jesus wh- needs a conversation with Uncle Bubba? No, a PS One. Who, who can yeah. Jesus trust? Can Jesus trust his dad? No. Can Jesus trust Lala, his girlfriend? No. Big Willie, Big Willie will give it to straight. Give it straight. Jesus. <laughs> can, can Jesus trust his coach? No. Well, can, his coach is banking him. <laughs> okay, yeah. Can Jesus trust Uncle Bubba? Hell's no. No. He, this is the only guy this guy can trust, and that's a big thing, because if you're by yourself and you're alone, that's a tough. That's a tough climb. But he's got. Booger's always by his side. Booger's got his back. Even the other guys on his team uh, in his high school, they're all out trying to get their own. Booger's not going anywhere. Lonnie. Yeah, right? this is the end of the line for Booger. The other, the other guys are legit. Like, they're actually played by, like, actual NBA guys. Mm-hmm. But John Wallace. But those guys were looking rapper. for their – they're looking to get their rides too. Booger's not going anywhere. Booger's got his back. He's been there from day one. He's the only guy in this whole movie that Jesus can trust. And that's why I think he's important, even though the character doesn't – play hugely in any any scenes i think just the that he's there yep, i think it's fair huge. point but jamer would you trust what comes out of booger's mouth <laughs> yeah, I, that's I, the yes. only thing i can say yeah i so will what, say this you know to jamer's point though in the car with big willie he's, he's the only guy he's the only one he's the trying voice of reason he's the voice of reason he's trying to keep him on the straight and narrow you know we have school he already told you this he's willing to take an ass whipping from big willie to he basically he, he's not afraid sure of big that jesus doesn't get himself into shit so you're it's right true. and, yeah, and good from, point. The, from just that scene it seems like big willie's the guy that runs everything around the around that part of town yeah Maybe he doesn't, but he seems like he does. That's right? a good angle to take, Jamer. I oh, like I don't that. Know. I'm just going. I'm gonna. I'm gonna flip on that one. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, let's go to Uncle Bubba. I mean, oh. amazing. <laughs> like absolutely hilarious. Unapologetically and completely transparent, just a jerk. What's like, that stuff out, out for himself? That's it. What's that stuff he said? Rub between your and your forearms. Remember he said oh, like yeah, you uh, rub yeah. this not ointment on. What, what that just that? came off the cuff, eh? Is oh, his, 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 it's like his snake charming liquid or something yeah, like that. Pretty he much. got his aunt with. You know, he yeah. he was a he was a great character. Some comic relief. He was great in Sister Act, by the way. But yeah. good actor. He's a great actor. R.I.P. But yeah, he was just he was. I hate to use this cliche. He was what he was. Obviously, these women. Because uh, Jesus's mom and the aunt are sisters. Mm-hmm. These women have horrible taste in men. Yes, they do. Horrible taste in men. Anyway, yeah, but Uncle Bubba, hilarious, getting his Lexus. Getting his Lexus. Yeah. Fully loaded. The uh, LS400. One more kind of mainish character I want to talk about is Dakota Burns, who was played by Mila Jovovich. True tragic character. Yeah. I had her as just a flat-out tragic character the whole time. I felt really bad for that character what a tough life out the entire movie the whole time i just that was one person this whole show oh, i just felt sad for i was like I this did. is wrong in a lot of ways and i just feel bad for you right now i think she did a great job playing the role too like she did a fa- fantastic job as an actor yeah i mean the roles 
is essential more so for Jake's storyline, right? It is, like, right. I think obviously if she wasn't in the movie, it would be a little bit different. But there were parts where I kept catching myself where I literally zoned out in those scenes with her because I just thought, like, is this really important to the story? Like, it is and it isn't. But I, I mean, I just. I didn't enjoy it that much, to be quite honest. Do you think with the Dakota angle, one of the knocks on this movie was it ran a little bit long? That was yes. a way to cut down maybe 10 minutes yes. to get in you and around have. two hours yes. or a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I think I think you definitely could have. And I think you could have made Jake more redeemable in other areas. I would have liked to see Jake be more remorseful towards his kids. Well, especially his daughter, right? Like you yeah. said, he just yeah. uses her. And that's a point that my wife brought up when we were talking about it. It's like he uses her to get in and have this conversation. It makes it seem like he's going to come back and, you know, visit with her and everything else. And then we never see it again. No. Um, he just kind of leaves her there. Yeah. So, yeah. And meanwhile, he's, you know, hammering a prostitute. Yeah. I think you could have cut that. I think you're right. I think you could have really cut out a lot of those scenes and made it more redeemable in the, in the family aspects of it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there. again, it speaks to Jake's... To me, anyways, it speaks to Jake's piece of just trying to save save someone, right? Yeah. Like he he's trying to save Jesus from making the wrong decision. He wants him to he to go to Big State, but ultimately, like he doesn't end up caring in the end about what school he goes to because he knows it doesn't matter. No, uh, he he just you know I think he's looking to save someone to try and make amends for his, his wife, and that uh, just happens to be this person, right? Uh, yeah, that he makes sees sense. that physical abuse happening and. It manifests in yeah. Dakota. Yeah. 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 I see what you're saying. So, other characters. Is there any, anybody else that kind of jumped out? Some extra characters that might have jumped out? Spivey. Yeah. Jim Brown. Come on. I had Spivey as well. Here's why I had Spivey. You have, like I talked about earlier, Denzel Washington's an alpha. So is Jim Brown. Oh, yeah. Greatest and football player of all time. If, if you look at Jim Brown, his everything about him oozes alpha and there's not a lot of people who can put denzel in handcuffs jim brown's one of those people who can put denzel in handcuffs (laughs) absolutely and he's got a killer mustache and he's got a killer mustache and he doesn't mess around great character absolutely anybody else web i mean all the cameos are great too right Uh, i will point out that uh, when they're doing the recruiting cameos do you know who was uh missing from that first scene uh jamer that would be one Jimmy Bayheim because there's no way in hell that Jesus Shuttlesworth would go to Syracuse. Nope. I did notice that John Thompson was in there, though, JR. Easy John. on that. He's going to be a dinosaur barbecue in no time. Don't you worry. <laughs> Don't you worry. I'll be at the Carousel Mall. Oh, okay. Carousel Mall. Oh, God. Um, one other character, uh, Billy, was it Billy Sunday, the, the basketball coach? Those tearaway pants he's wearing, I love the amount of tearaways. He was a great character. I didn't like him. I, I oh, thought, I loved him. I thought Turturro was... T- There's no way that this character, played by John Turturro, as corny as he is, is going to be the head coach at a big time It's school. not believable. It's not believable at all. Oh, I Every it. time I see that guy now, all I think is... You underestimate my sneakiness. He looked like he should be selling like uh, counterfeit watches on the corner. <laughs> he's but that's Canal, the point of him. He's Canal Street hand. No. <laughs> you want a creepy? You, he's so weird. You can't put Dean Smith and Roy Williams and and this greasy John Turturro character in a room with tearaways on. They okay. just they don't fit. Okay, but look how greasy Rick Fox was. Rick Fox was believable though. Yeah, he was believable. But look what if here's why I like him. He's a kid who's just trying to like. He's letting his players are getting away with whatever they want. And if you take a coach like Dean Smith, that might not be happening. You take a coach like Coach uh, Winters there, 
he to me i liked him i liked him a lot in this movie i thought he was he just I he was know. he made I, me laugh in a heavy movie i, was I like, did, this guy's great he's I did, funny but i didn't buy it i did find it funny because he probably mirrored himself after rick patino who also made a cameo in this movie yep. and you know has gotten himself into a little yeah. bit of hot we'll water get into that the there's, there's a connection and we'll get into yeah that later. uh but you know there there's there's a couple yeah pretty funny moments there that i just can't take him serious as a coach love yeah. him I did think with the cameos, the thing that was hilarious to me was that <laughs> Jordan refused to to talk about Jesus Shuttlesworth being a man, and it just speaks to Jordan's too. ultimate competitiveness. Yes. That even in a movie, he wouldn't give props it. to anybody. I loved it. Um, he just said the ta- he just said the he title just gave of the, the movie. T- t- title of the movie. <laughs> so if you go back to uh, the cameo thing, Dick Vitale, it's over under on Red Bulls or some oh sort of caffeine con- consumption. What I forgot to bring up when we were talking about like Vince Scully and Jim Nance, imagine Dick Vitale narrating your day. Oh, you'd be exhausted by breakfast. Rob just had a coffee. He's awesome, baby. He ran the yellow. He ran the yellow out there. He's taking it to the rack, baby. Oh, he's a window washer, baby. Look at those windshield wipers go. <laughs> that would be a day. Oh, that would be something else. All right, let's get into the realism review. So, let's talk about. Did the, did the script, did the storyline, was that real for you? And, uh, and then we'll also talk about basketball scenes, sports scenes. Okay, so I thought there was some realism in regards to the era that it was in with the greed, the bribery, all that exists. Um, 1998, steroid era, baseball times going on. Balco, I'm sure, is somewhere out west. I, ha- I I believed in that aspect of it. Um, the, what was the greasy agent's name? I'm drawing a blank right now. Don Pagnotti. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Where he's like, I got, this, I got this. Don I got this. I got this. I got this. That to me would exist. That you know that conundrum. Do I go pro? Do I go college? Sure. Things like that. I believe that has some realism to it, and that's some research done. Probably, I'm assuming by Spike Lee. It'd be easy research. Well, and I mean, especially in basketball, and you had, the time mm. you had Kobe, you had KG, you had all these guys going from high school to the pros. So yeah, yeah. In regards to basketball, with that many, you know, professional players, there has to be some realism to this. I mean, watching Ray Allen shoot is the guy can shoot. So I have to say, in my end, yeah. I'm going to side with Webb on some of the basketball, his opinion on that, because, you know, Webb's pretty into basketball. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of basketball to really comment on this one. I mean, it's real in the fact that you got real NBA players or guys who have played a, a high level in the movie, right? So, I mean, what what stood out to me is going back was remembering how good of a player Ray Allen actually was in his early part of his career. Cause we're talking, this is like his second year in the league when he's filming this movie, I think. Yeah. And like he used to attack the rim way, way more, right? Like people remember him for his three point shooting. But I mean, there was a point in time where people were legitimately calling him like a Jordan type next type level talent, right? Because he could, he could do everything. You get to the basket, he could defend, he could rebound, he could score. Um, so he, he was that guy. Um, so, I mean, it's it's realistic in that point. The thing that doesn't stand out to me that I think the only thing that's really far-fetched, and I know it has to happen for the whole plot of the movie and the premise of the movie, is the actual deal itself that this whole movie is based mm-hmm. on. Like, it's just so ridiculously far-fetched that a governor would... Like, it's like, it's like a bad prison break or like one of those type TV shows. That's the shows. big one I had. Like, that's the only yeah. thing that really... Everything else is totally realistic, right? Like... 
the agents being shady, his coach even kind of like, you know, don't forget about me here. I've been helping you out. Like, all that shit seems totally... Uh, Getting paid to kind of direct him. Yeah, way, all that stuff seems totally relevant to me and totally realistic, but just the big deal itself seems kind of... That was that was the thing I had that, that wasn't realistic. I'm like, there's no way that this guy's getting off a murder charge. There's no way somebody's pulling a string for him to get off a murder charge. Yeah. This, isn't a, this isn't a lesser charge that he's going to be able to give him a pardon. That's an extreme. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. That to me didn't play. But um, again, we're talking about a work of fiction here. Absolutely. I think quickly we'll just touch on quotes. To me, there wasn't really many quotes that stand out, and that's kind of typical of Spike Lee films. It tends to be more. To me, it's more. They're more scene driven. You remember scenes more mm-hmm, than you remember mm-hmm. actual quotes. Uh, were there any things that stuck out for you? I have one, and we said it earlier. When MJ said he got game, here's why that quote stood out to me, fellas. I'm going to go on a limb after watching Last Dance that he made a bet with an attendant. He made a bet with somebody that it would be one take with a stogie and an icy Miller light in his hand. (laughs) After dropping 40 on the Knicks, beating Patrick Ewing for the 110th time. Watch this. (laughs) That's what I thought of right away. And that look, and after watching The Last Dance, I'm going to go on a limb again and say this was probably filmed at MSG after a game. He probably did it really quick. There was probably also some part in the deal there because the, you know, I mean, the Jordan brand itself Mm -hmm. gets quite a bit of of play in the movie with with Denzel rocking the 13s. And if you notice, even the intro scene, there's a lot of kids wearing Jordans. Yeah. Uh, And Ray Allen was a Jordan brand guy at this time. So I, you know, I'm sure that him and Spike, and I mean, we got the Mars Blackman. commercials and everything else i'm sure him and spike worked out some kind of deal where you know i'll give you this line but you're going to make sure that my shoes and my brand are prominent in the movie um so you know good business sense and he's on his way to atlantic city right after he says that and i mean <laughs> it's mj yeah exactly goat so let's jump into some little known facts so kobe bryant alan iverson and stefan marbury were considered for the role now kobe backed out he was the original one that uh spike wanted but he backed out because he had that performance against the jazz in the playoffs in his rookie season where he had all those air balls so he said i need the summer to really tighten up understandably alan iverson and stefan marbury and the funny thing was this film was loosely based on stefan marbury's experience coming out of coney island playing at the exact same high school abraham lincoln high um so basically, the two of them said, well, we're not auditioning for this movie. You either offer us a role or that's it. So that was why those two got turned down. I mean, it makes sense for Marbury because the movie is loosely based on him. And that, you know, that article in The Undefeated about that is pretty funny, actually. Hilarious. Um, I don't know if AI, as much as I love him, Bubba Chuck, my guy, I don't know if he could have pulled off this role. Uh, he just, I, I just can't see it happening. Colby actually, to me, would have been the perfect fit. He would have been great, uh, I think. Just because he he brings a little bit more, um, even though he, again, comes from a very well-to-do family, he brings a little bit more street cred to me than, than Ray Allen does. Would Kobe be more believable as his son? Like, with some of that, like, grit, some of that yeah. toughness that Kobe yeah. had? 100%. Yeah. I thought I think of so. that. I yeah, and so. not taking anything away from Ray Allen. Don't no, get me wrong. No, but no. like at the same time, yeah, he, Kobe, Kobe's got a little bit more sandpaper to him than Ray Allen does. That's for sure. The note when I said in the group chat to you guys earlier this week why AI couldn't do it. AI don't practice. <laughs> Talking about practice. <laughs> Talking about practice. AI does one line. The scene where Jesus and Jake play for the letter of intent towards the end of the movie. 
The original script called for Jesus to win 15 to nothing. However, Spike Lee encouraged the actors to play for real. They just said, Let, let's play it out. When the contest began between Ray Allen and Denzel Washington, Denzel scored four straight points as the crew whooped and applauded from the sidelines. Allen apparently was furious and proceeded to score 10 points in a row, at which point Spike Lee declared Allen had won and the scene ended. How funny is that? That's believable. The first time he... Uh Denzel, the very first point, you could see Ray Allen's face. I remember reading a it, little bit. There about was some that. real. I did too. I was his eyes changed at the when I watched this movie again. I hadn't read the, that article, and I didn't. Um, I, I didn't realize that, but you could tell. Like I, I figured, well, maybe they'll just let them play, and then they'll just pick, you know, splice pieces from it. But you could tell Ray Allen was getting frustrated. That wasn't just acting frustrated. He was really frustrated, and. Denzel had some pretty lucky bank shots. A couple of like, he had that scoop underhand left. That was yep. a nice. Play. But the funniest thing about that scene is that this interview I read with Denzel or Spike or one of them was saying that for the week and a half leading up to that scene, Denzel had been playing every day and working. And Denzel played like junior varsity at like a D one yeah, school. A solid, like he's a, he played. He's a pretty good player. And. He had been only showing in, in everything they'd been doing with basketball. He'd been only going right and showing right and showing right and showing right. And then in, I guess when they shot that scene, he totally surprised Alan, went left, and Alan, yeah. except for the couple bank shots that yeah. went like rainbow moon shots, oh, yeah. like like banked in, yeah. yeah, like just hung up there. Probably had a hang time of about six seconds that they couldn't capture on film. The, before these weren't Tim Duncan bank, bank shots. No. no. <laughs> then the six foot five athletic guy took over. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Pure Appar- apparently uh, I saw the one interview on YouTube where Denzel said he just started dunking on me after that. You could tell he was mad. And he was just like, I'm just going to dominate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. The funny thing, though, is that there's there's really no drama to that scene. There's no way Jake's ever going to be. Jesus. It's a foregone conclusion. You know what I mean? When you When it starts, it's almost kind of a way for Jesus to get some power back. <laughs> well, it was a way for, the at di- the end, to get that anger out of your heart. Yeah, it was kind of a I way mean, for him to get that out of. Like there. he got to bully his dad after getting bullied when he was yeah. younger. So there, it's, there's some therapeutic some closure. To that. It's a yeah. dead giveaway that he's going to lose when we oh. see Denzel in the first scene and shooting in prison, and he's got his knees taped up with I don't yeah. know where. <laughs> that wasn't K tape. Tape over yeah. his joggles, like or okay. his jumpsuit pants. Like, I've had on. multiple surgeries on my knees and bad knees my whole life. Like that's not helping you, bud. <laughs> it looked like a karate belt wrapped around that. No, that's not helping you. Um, Another funny one. So the two girls Jesus has a threesome with in the Tech University dorm room are played by real-life porn stars Chasey Lane and Jill Kelly. There you go. Chasey Lane's a... She's a name from, like, way back for me. That's an old one. Yeah. I haven't seen that name pop up in a while. Not in the internet days. That's more like a (laughs) dig... Dig something out of the basement. It's like that's uh, <laughs> like from Red, Shoe, Red Shoe Diaries, <laughs> like uh, Scrambled Channel, or like yeah. Scrambled Ones. That's a VHS that you found behind, oh. hidden behind a shelf somewhere, you know, when you were a kid. <laughs> um, so this was uh, the movie starts off with a montage, and we'll kind of get into the music later. But the movie starts off with a montage of people playing basketball in the USA, people from all backgrounds. This is coupled with Aaron Copeland's work, John Henry. So John Henry is, a, for African Americans, a symbol of might and moral cer- uh, certitude in the face of exploitation, among other things, which kind of like was part of the theme of the movie, right? 100%. Yes. Uh, there's a statue of him outside the town of Talcott, West Virginia. Oh, West Virginia. Ooh. Tough, tough state. 
According to the legend, John Henry's prowess as a steel driver was measured in a race against a steam-powered rock drilling machine, a race that he won only to die in victory with hammer in hand as his heart gave out from the stress. Uh, so I, th- I really enjoyed the start of that movie. I didn't know the significance of that actual piece from Aaron Copeland. I mean, it fit the scene really well, I thought. Um, but after reading that, that kind of brings a lot more levity to that. And I thought that really fits the theme of the movie. It does. It kind of shows. And yeah, it shows the universal, how you ba- universal basketball is. Yeah. And worldwide and global. It's, it's the great equalizer. It's it's the thing where you need a ball on a court and, every, and there's no class. There's no race. There's nothing. It all strips down. Yeah. 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 I know, thought ba- the, the opening scene was really well Basketball done. and soccer. You know, those are yep. very universal sports worldwide. They're the ones that require the least amount of, I'll say, equipment and, you know, resources, infrastructure and resources. Yeah. You can see it in the one scene where the kids got the uh, the uh, milk crate with the bottom cut out. Yeah. Yes. I mean, He's the game was, against the was started with a peach basket. He Got Game actually failed to become a box office hit and was released to mixed enthusiasm. So a lot of many critics dubbed the film to be too long and too loose, something we've kind of touched on, right, throughout our, our discussion so far. So one critic, David Edelstein, wrote, The hope is always that Lee will transcend his anger and egotism and paranoia to make a film that feels organic. I think that was pretty harsh. And I think that Lee always seems to, and, and Tarantino as well, they, they tend to rub the, the traditional critics the wrong way sometimes. You know, their movies are sometimes, their scenes are things that are outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not afraid to cross some of those cultural lines and things like that. But I, that's why I think some of these films are the most important ones that we have. And that's why I think this movie is important for our, for not just the 90s, but today. Well, I think still, it's all relevant still today. still pretty relevant today, for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just Spike Lee just not given a flying F, to be quite honest. Uh, I mean, the guy there, Roger Ebert actually really reviewed his, this movie pretty well and yeah, enjoyed this good. movie. Yeah. Um, did I think it was a little long? Yeah, we talked a little bit about that at points too. But yeah, I think the movie itself is is a necessary commentary on what it's like for the african-american experience not that i know well stated um but i think it's probably something that like you know in the words of biggie either you sling crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot so yep yeah i think the quote by that critic that's too harsh that's there's, too harsh there's for something like said, personal the behind that there's a there's a personal yeah there's a little bit of a vendetta right there behind that one there i wonder yeah. if it's lee's lack of you know caring about their opinion that bothers people like that yeah i think so for sure he didn't make me feel important yeah the power factor maybe yeah so earl the pearl monroe is spike lee's basketball consultant on the film so monroe gets a nice tribute in the film where uh jake talks about him as his favorite player and the reason he named his son jesus which was one of monroe's nicknames during his career very cool i thought that was awesome awesome scene yep iconic nick guy iconic new york brooklyn those guys would have rooted for him yeah very cool very nice touch. Uh, Big State and Tech University were both fictitious schools. However, the high school that Jesus attends, Abraham Lincoln High School, is the real one. Notable alumni include Stefan Marbury, who we mentioned the film was loosely based on, Seb- Sebastian Telfair, and Lance Make Him Dance Stevenson. Oh, Lance. Did he get Forgot picked up him. by someone this year? I don't believe so. He, he, was, China, he was. He came back, and then I think he's now been put on waivers and again. Is out of the league. I liked him when he was with the Lakers. I Indiana? He, he played for Indiana? I think last time I saw him was Indiana. He was too busy blowing on LeBron when he was in Indiana. 
So this one, uh, the movie pulled back the curtain on a lot of corruption around recruiting practices. In 2017, the NCAA's Committee on Infractions found that Andre McGee, then assistant at Louisville, uh, felicitated fellatio and exotic dances for recruits inside Billy Minardi Hall. McGee was tabbed for providing 40 to $50 in singles to throw at women. He also handed a condom to a 17-year-old. The NCAA hit McGee's boss, Rick Pitino, with a failure to monitor violation. A few months later, Louisville was named in court documents for allegedly conspiring with Adidas to funnel 100 grand to the family of Brian Bowen, a five-star recruit. So this is just a couple of years ago, three years Slick ago. Slick Rick. This is a big-time coach and a big-time program. Think, I think Ricky's in uh, Greece or something now. I think he's like head of their national team. Yeah, that's yeah. usually what happens when that stuff goes down. Yeah. they got to leave the country. Long, far he's away. He's in Europe. Uh, but just goes to show you, right? Like, he, as much as like some of those scenes with Rick Fox and stuff seem really far fetched, it's not that far off what's what's going on, or it's still going on. So, well, and we talked a little bit about it last week with the program, right? And I know right. we're gonna, it's going to come up again when we talk about blue chips and other movies. So. Yep, it exists. It yep. has before. It looks maybe different at different eras, but essentially it's the same. Yeah, and I mean it goes back to that whole point of give these players you're they're making you millions upon millions of dollars. Give him money. Give him some money. Or the Arian Foster piece where he went, you know, I played in front of 110,000 people in football, and then I went home and I was hungry. He had no food in his dorm. He exactly. had no food. Yeah. It's, it, it's definitely something that has been going on for decades, and they still are trying to figure something out, and they still something needs to be done. Um, so let's dive into the soundtrack now. So we've got music from composer Aaron Copeland combined with songs from Public Enemy. So this is a very vast range there. Um, I'll go first on this one. Why not? Aaron Copeland, it was too much. It was just too much for me. I think maybe one or two at a certain point would work for me, but not at that intensity. It was too many. Public Enemy was fine. I liked Public Enemy. I was okay with it. Flavor. Flavor. Yeah, it was great. And uh, I just said, it's just, it's too much for me overall, way over the top. Webb? Yeah, I mean, again, Mrs. Webster had a great quote on this one. She said, it's just too much. He, I know Spike Lee scored the movie itself. Uh, and there were a couple scenes there where she's like, this is a really supposed to be like an emotional scene. And it feels like I should be at the mall Christmas shopping right now. Like, <laughs> it was just that type of music. Um, and she's 100% right. Sarah Webster um, nailed it. She crushed it. In terms of <laughs> in terms of the PE, I mean, look, if you're a hip hop head, you know Public Enemy, you love Public Enemy. Um, this this soundtrack in particular, and and the the title track that he got game track with the the Buffalo Springfield sample with Steve Stills there. Uh, this totally relaunches them back in the the mainstream, so to speak, right? Like this gets them play on MTV and a, and a couple other mm-hmm. spots. I mean, they hadn't put out an album before this since 1990. Would fear that? Well, they had put out one four years earlier, but Fear of the Black Planet was their bigger one, and that was in 1990. Um, there, there's some great, great tracks on that soundtrack. You know, as somebody who loves that, uh, one of my favorite tracks uh, is Unstoppable, and it features KRS One. And I was saying, as I was saying to you guys, if they figured out a way to get Rakim on that track, it would have been like the ultimate conscious hip hop track of all time. <laughs> you got Chuck D, you got KRS-One, and you got Rakim. And they play it in the movie. 
just after Denzel goes a little Lonzo and punches out Lala's guy there, gives him the throat punch. Uh, that was and, a he's, and, he, and he grabs grabs Booger there by the you know, he's 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 getting the, into one. And it's just got a cool, like menacing beat to it. Um and, and I mean it's perfect when you think about it because really Denzel's character is trying to teach, right? And mm-hmm. KRS one and Chuck D are considered the biggest teachers in hip hop. So I mean it's fantastic. Cool. Well put. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think I really enjoy that first scene. Uh, even even when I didn't know the significance of the piece by Aaron Copeland, I, I enjoyed that scene. But knowing it now, understanding uh, the significance of that piece, John Henry, uh, and what it meant and how it tied into the theme of the role, I thought that was really well done. There was too many scenes in it where they had the, the symphonic overlay or whatever it was, and, and it just didn't fit. And it and sometimes it was too loud. It over it kind of almost took your focus away from what was going on in the scene. And, uh, yeah, I think it was too much of that. I really liked how they mixed in Public Enemy. I thought those those were nice touches. They had some great sound for that. Um, it really fit with the time, the location. Um, I really enjoyed those pieces. But, yeah, I think it was... I always find there's some bleed into, like, Scorsese with that. Like with Raging Bull, you know how they have kind of yeah. that going on in the background, but it didn't fit here. It did it just, not give you a little bit of like stimuli overload too? It did. When you're here, it's so it's loud. Too much. It's yeah. just too much. The and scene he, the scene when they are in the dorm room though, with when you're going back to your public enemy tracks, they're playing or in the uh when they're walking down the dorm hall, I should say. Uh, the song is called uh, Shake Your Booty, by, and it's strictly Flavor Flav. If you get a chance, go back and find it on Spotify or whatever. It's pretty funny when you listen to it back now. That's awesome. So let's talk about, let's wrap this baby up. Let's talk about overall finishing thoughts on the movie, where it ranks among basketball, basketball movies, and where it ranks among sports movies all time. Overall thoughts of the movie, again, I enjoyed it. It was not my favorite movie. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed its messages. I enjoyed, like I said, its themes. I don't have it that high up in my radar in any way. Um, as far as basketball movie goes, it's not in the top five. Um, I can't put it in there. I Overall, it's pretty far down on my list. Uh, maybe my top 20, something like that. I just don't have it up there. It doesn't have the depth for me. It doesn't have the overall engagement factor for me to really put it up with other sports movies that I really like. Not Again, I'm, there was some acting in there that I really enjoyed, but I just couldn't put it up where I wanted it. Web? Yeah, I, I mean, it's probably, I'd say, in my top 20 uh, in terms of overall movies. Like you said, there's not a whole lot of basketball in it, so I, I, I wouldn't even put it in my top five in, in basketball movies. I will say this, though. It's a very important movie. It's a movie that uh, needed to be to be played. And I think, you know, there's just some scenes there that I think could have been a little bit different and maybe a little bit better. Um, not to be spoiler alert, but like, for the, for instance, the last scene, I think it would have been more powerful when, you know, the, the ball floats in and it's supposed to like symbolize, you know, like he's letting go of the that, that worry and everything else. Anger. And, you know, everything's going to be okay with his kid and, and that, that anger and everything else. To me, it would have been more fitting had Ray Allen actually been at the Garden home court 
like where like on his like uh, the black cop court where he originally threw the ball over the fence. Right. There would have been some kind of more, I'll say, synergy there if that would have been the scene there instead of being a great point. Instead of being in some empty big arena, like you know, it it just seems so far fetched that like it would have made more sense to me had it been. But in the giant arena, it kind of makes it to me like he made it. Yeah, oh, 100%. You know, I made it. I'm but, I mean, you could have had that same effect by him playing, it, like, shooting in big state jumpsuit, like, or in with his, his warm-up. With his, with his track suit yeah, on. With his warm-ups sort. on or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we already knew he, it was a success when he was going somewhere, right? He was getting mm-hmm. out. Um, right. So, you know, that was that was the big thing for me in terms of, yeah, like I said, probably in my top 15 sports movies. Well, I think you guys nailed it. You hit all the themes there. Um, yeah, I've got it. Maybe at the edge of my top five basketball, or between five and ten, and then probably top twenty all time. Definitely not top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you mentioned, super important movie even today. I think it's got a lot of great themes, uh, both from a greed and capitalism and the evils of such in not just basketball but in culture. And I think it it still ranks true today. One thing I want to ask you guys. There has been a lot of talk over the years about a sequel. How would a, th- a sequel work with this movie? And who might you have in mind for playing some of the roles? Or like how might the story flow? I mean, I think it would have to largely, if we're going to kind of continue the basketball theme, I think you're going to largely have to have the idea that it's probably Ray Allen's kid is going to be like the focal point of the basketball piece. That's what I had. Too. Yeah. And something where like, you know, maybe Ray Allen is starting to show similar fatherly characteristics that, that Denzel showed in a negative light. And Denzel just happens to get out of prison around this time. And, you know, they somehow reconnect and he kind of shows them the right way. But that being said, I don't know if that's something I could see Spike Lee writing. It just doesn't seem... It's a bit too cliche. That's what I mean. It just seems a little too cliche for Spike Lee. That's what I had in mind too. Like maybe Ray had a bad injury and he had a failed marriage. Things kind of fell apart. But he has a kid who has a lot of talent. And maybe he's starting to... He never wanted to be that kind of dad, but maybe he's becoming that dad because yeah. of his own struggles. For sure. And, and that would be around the time when Jake gets out of prison because obviously he didn't get his deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it could be a bit too cliche. And Spike Lee doesn't like to make cliche movies. And I can understand that. He's an artist. I that being said, I'd, I'd love to see... Some, like, I mean, both Denzel and Ray Allen have both been talking to Spike Lee about a potential... Yeah. Ray sequel? looks like he's the same age. Yeah. I mean, exactly. He hasn't aged a bit. Like I don't Ray see uh, Ray. I don't see Spike Lee going down that avenue. If he did, it's maybe Ray Allen on a recruiting violation, and ha- maybe that's oh. the, his career goes downhill or something like that. Maybe, and he's trying to show his kid the right way that he was on the path of. I think that's something as a character, like an Alvin Mack type situation. Yeah, and I think that's something that his character could like legitimately play because he was trying to do the right thing all the time in the movie. Send back the Lexus, send back this. I don't want to talk to this person. He was trying to do the right thing, but that vortex of indulgence eventually will catch up to you. Or maybe he never makes it to big state because he hangs out with uh, big Willie there too much. And he ends up, <laughs> he ends up becoming sweetness. <laughs> when we were talking about sweetness, <laughs> sweetness. That's funny. All right. Is there anything else you guys want to add? I had one thing that I'd put in there for um, all the current uh, fashion uh, police people out there. 
Champion gear existed before you think it actually existed at SportCheck, okay? Oh, true. They're rocking champion gear in this, and we told you it existed before. One thing I do want to do before we lead out is I want to give a shout-out to our buddy Steve Ivitz. He uh, put together the play-out song that you hear at the end of our uh, uh, podcast. He tailored it to our our podcast. Awesome work. Steve was a very talented musician. And a very talented uh, brewmaster as well. Also a very good brewmaster, as you say. Excellent. Yep. Thank you, Steve-O. We should get a Steve-O pint on the pot. I would love to get a Steve-O pint, for sure. That's a great idea. Yeah, we should get him on here, for sure. He'd be great. On that note, should we grab another Brooklyn? I think we should. Don't forget to follow Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast, on social media by way of Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook by searching at Big League Flicks. We will be dropping teasers for our upcoming episodes, links to breweries, and sports movie polls. Sports and the glitz and the glamour Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League